Hey, welcome to the Rave Damsey Show. Actually, just kidding. This is not the Dave Ramsey Show or the Rave Damsey Show. I did do a Dave Ramsey parody on my other channel that you may enjoy. I do a pretty mean, being an expression for good or effective, impression of Dave Ramsey. I think you might enjoy it. It's over at my other channel called Lane Sebring. Have you ever delivered pizzas? No. Do you deliver pizzas? Ah, I've never done it. All right, you need to start delivering pizzas. When am I going to find time to do that? We'll do it in the middle of the night. I'll link it in the show notes. But that is beside the point. Today, we're not talking about Dave Ramsey and his financial wisdom. We are talking about planting new churches versus revitalizing old ones. For some of these podcasts, I want to kind of do some verses a little bit, just to kind of compare some ideas and have at least maybe start a conversation that we can continue in the comments and on social and an email about what is better, what's more effective. Should we be in the business, so to speak, of planting new churches, or should we be in the business of revitalizing existing churches, churches that need some help, churches that need to be brought back to life. So we'll dive into all that in this episode. Before we do, be sure to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to subscribe there, whatever you're listening on. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. If you're enjoying this, it really helps out a ton. Got a great interview coming up for you next week. Can't wait to share that with you. But today is just me, and we're gonna have this conversation about church planting versus revitalization. So I've been involved in both. I've been involved especially in revitalization. I was at a church for about 10 years in DC in a number of different positions on the pastoral staff. And that church was definitely what you would consider a revitalization. It was a church in transition, a very established, older church that was trying to grow and trying to uh, help a the older generation of people embrace and acknowledge the need for some change in some different areas in order to achieve the kind of growth that the church really needed to continue to thrive and survive and reach a new generation of people and continue to see people saved, to see people baptized, to see people involved, to see new people coming and being involved in the life of the church. So I was involved in that and there were a ton of challenges. There were, it, it felt like at every turn, there was just a new kind of battle to take on, right? A new kind of like, okay, we gotta, we gotta deal with this and we gotta deal with that and how are we gonna get them to see the need for this and how are we going to get them to stop confusing this preference with doctrine and how are we going to get them to understand that we're not trying to attack tradition we're trying to ask better questions like what's biblical and what's effective and not just what are we used to those are all the kind of issues that come with revitalization now with church planting i have not directly been on a church planting team, and I haven't planted a church myself, but the church I'm currently at, we, we plant a lot of churches, and so I'm, I'm involved kind of indirectly in the process, and I've got friends that plant churches and have planted churches, and there's some unique challenges there, right? There's the, the issue of you're talking about something that does not exist yet, and you need to make it exist. So you got to gather people, you got to figure out what kind of vision and values you want to have. And sometimes uh, there's people who kind of join the process that bring their own vision with you. Like they're disgruntled and mad because their last church wasn't good. So they come to your church plant because it's new 
and maybe they want to control what's going on, right? So there's challenges there. There's also pros to each thing. So I wanna get into it. And I wanna get into first, I wanna talk about a conversation I had with a pastor who used to be a, a neighbor of mine. And I was talking to him, he was a youth pastor at a church in the area and I was working at my church. And I, I asked him about how things were going at his church. And he said, oh, you know, we don't plant churches. Cause I, I had mentioned that my church has a church planting network called the Ignite Network. And we do a lot of work to uh, support and fund and uh, train church planters. And he just kind of made this off-the-cuff statement. He said, well, church planting, that, that's we don't do that. We don't need any more new churches. We need to revitalize old ones. And it was funny to me because it was such a definitive statement. Just, we no longer do this, and basically, you should not do it, which I thought was kind of interesting because it was such a statement of just fact. Like, you just shouldn't plant new churches. We don't need any more new churches. We should only revitalize which I thought was a pretty narrow way of looking at it, like as if God uh, was just no longer calling people to start new churches and he was only calling people to revitalize old ones. Uh, it's an opinion. It's definitely a preference. And I respect that they have this desire to do that themselves. But to just definitively say that God is just not in the business anymore of planting new churches, I think is a limited view. So what I'm not going to do in this podcast is I'm not going to speak in theological terms of right or wrong. In other words, I'm not going to say you should only revitalize or you should only plant or you should not plant new churches and you should only revitalize uh, from a definitive point of view. I'm not going to say that because to be honest with you, you could make an argument for either one. So what we're discussing is not a right or wrong. We're discussing the pros and cons of either one, right? So hopefully if you are considering, like if, if you're here, if you're listening and you are at a church that you are in the process of maybe trying to revitalize and you're trying to figure out, okay, is this worth it? Should I stick this out or should I maybe move on to plant a church? Hopefully today's episode just might give you some things to think about. If anything, maybe just some encouragement. Or if you're thinking that maybe the path for you is to plant a church, we're going to talk about some of the things there. So let's start with revitalization. I think there are some major pros and cons of both revitalization and church planting. And let's start with revitalization. So what are the pros? The pros with revitalization is that typically the church that you're trying to revitalize has a facility, usually, not always, but it usually has a facility. And depending on how old the church is and how well they were managed, the facility may or may not even have a mortgage on it anymore. So you've, you've, got, an, you've got assets, right? Even if you don't like the facility, if it's owned, if it's a piece of property that's owned, it can be sold, it can be borrowed against and, and leveraged to go meet somewhere else. You've just got, you've got options, right? You're not starting from complete scratch. The other thing you have is typically you have a budget. Like if if you've got a church that's been been around for a while, you've got people and they've been giving. And if it's been managed in any kind of decent way, you at least have, okay, we've got these bills, this, this money comes in, we've got this much for staff, this much for facilities, this much for ministries. And some of that stuff is already laid out. The other pro that you have with revitalization is there are already structural things in place. For example, you already have a church 
name. You already have a 501c3 status if you're in the United States. You already have some of the paperwork filed. You probably already have bank accounts. I mean, these are things that when you're planting, you have to think about all of these things. And if it's an established church, it already has these. Now, in any of these cases, they probably need to be tweaked, right? If it's mismanaged finances or if they're in tons of debt, that could definitely be a con. Or if the facility is just not effective. It just does not comport with what your vision is going to be. All those things could be cons, but I'm saying generally speaking, when you have those things already there, it gives you the freedom to worry about way less and focus on just the things that need to be changed so that the church can continue to grow. Now, as far as cons of revitalization, there are many. <laughs> there are many. There's an old saying that it's easier to give birth than it is to cause a dead horse to walk, right? So, oh wait, I think the saying is it's easier to give birth than it is to bring back the dead. And so if a church is dead, uh, in, in so many words, you know, the, the church has just lost its vision. It's lost its mission. It's basically sitting still. It's plateaued and or declining, whether that's attendance, whether that's mission, whether that's the overall feel and, and vibe of the church. There's just nothing happening, right? If that's the case, then it is incredibly, incredibly challenging because you have to walk into a space that has been conditioned to be ineffective, dead, kind of turned off, and you've got to figure out a way to wake these people up, right? And you don't really have the power to do that. That's a, that's a holy that's a work of the Holy Spirit, but you've got to you've got to position yourself and your leadership to allow for that to happen. The other thing like I said, there could be tons of debt. There could be lots and lots of drama in history that make it very difficult to step into that situation and do anything with it. There could be a, like I said, a facility that just is a big pile of wasted space. It could be, it could be something that is nowhere near what you want it to be. Another con in revitalization could be the fact that you've got maybe a, a, an approach to ministry that you just have, you just don't agree with. Uh, for example, the church that I was at for many, many years had a basically Sunday school, but we didn't call it Sunday school. We called it community groups. And it was, for what it was, it, it was an, an effective way to do on-campus Sunday morning groups. However, the big challenge that we faced with that was we had children's ministry volunteers competing with community group people that met at the same hour. So we had two services and two out two hours of services and two hours of community groups. And in both of those slots, we also needed childcare workers. Childcare is not the way to say it. <laughs> By the way, if you want to offend your children's ministry workers, your kids' ministry workers, call it childcare. They do not like that because it is not childcare. It is ministry. It's just as important as anything else that goes on in the church. So if you're listening and you're in kids ministry, I do apologize for saying childcare because it's not that. Uh, so we did kids ministry at both hours. And so what happened is we needed people to be in community groups. We needed adults in community groups. We needed them teaching in community groups. We also needed people in the service and volunteering in the service. And we needed people in kids' ministry and volunteering in kids' ministry. 
If you do the math, we have three options all happening on the same two hours. So what happened was we would we would have this situation where we'd say, we don't have enough kids ministry volunteers. You know, it takes 150 volunteers to make this happen on a Sunday morning, just in kids ministry. And then at the same time, there'd be someone else at the table saying, we don't have enough adult ministry, uh, I mean, adult community group leaders and teachers and facilitators, and we need we need X amount of people to make that happen. And at the same time, we'd say, we don't have enough first impression people and ushers to welcome people into the service and get them seated and things like that. And so there was just a lot of things happening that were competing with each other. And in established churches, you get that all the time because churches over time tend to just add, very rarely are, are ministries removed. That's very difficult. It's easy to add, it's hard to remove. So when you're planting, you can be very judicious about what you add versus what you don't allow to be added. So that can be a massive, massive problem when you're revitalizing because now what you've got to go do is you've got to remove a sacred cow. So what would be the answer to that? Well, what I wanted to see happen was I wanted a situation where we were asking people to do two things, and that is attend one service and serve at the other. So if you're attending service A, and then during service B, you're either working in kids or you're serving in first impressions or one of the things connected to the service, and there was no community groups happen, those were happening at a different time, different place, maybe during the week in homes, then it freed, that free hundreds of people up to either be in the service or serve, or both, and because we had two services going, we could easily do that. So that is a massive, massive challenge, and that's just one of many, that's one example of many different kinds of problems that you could find in that situation where you've got different things competing with each other in the same hour. So in terms of cons of revitalization, there's all of those, and then there's more. There's just lots and lots. But there are some major, major benefits. Like I said, you've got this established thing and you've got this group of people and there's a lot you kind of don't have to do. So I think with revitalization, you really have to be called to to a place and to a people and you have to kind of have a long-term approach. You have to be willing for it to take years, maybe a decade for you to, depending on how long the ship has been around and how big it is, turning a ship is very, very tough work. And you've got to be willing to decide and choose what hill you're going to die on and what hill you're going to let go. And you got to be willing to make very tough decisions that you know are going to offend a lot of people. And you got to be willing to hold back when you know it's just not the time or it's not worth it right now. So that's revitalization. And I would love to hear from you in the comments because if you've been involved in that, I would love to hear uh, what stories you have to tell. Now let's talk about planting. The pros of planting. The pros of planting is you have a clean slate, right? You've got a white canvas that you can begin to draw on. You can listen to the Lord and his Holy Spirit and just wait for his guidance and leadership as to what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. That's an amazing thing. You can grab this group of people and you can start small. You can infuse the vision you want, the mission you want into this group of people. And as it grows, there's so much more that you can steer and you can control in terms of the vision and the direction of the church. 
It's amazing how much a new church is able to reach unchurched people. Unchurched people are far more likely to go to a new church, a church plant, than they are to go to an established church. A lot of that has to do with just the fact that they feel like because it's small and because it's new, that they won't be judged, they won't be looked at the maybe the same way that they would be if they went into the large church that's already established. For whatever reason, sociologically, it's just more attractive to people who are either unchurched or de-churched, meaning that they haven't been in church for a long time. So that's a huge, huge win for new churches. You can set the, the programming, the pace, the schedule, however you want, and you can structure it such that it really fits with your uh, way that you envision doing ministry. Whereas when you go into a re, uh, revitalization situation, there's a there's a precedent for what's expected of you and what you expect out of the church that can sometimes be very difficult to modify. So in terms of cons of new churches, well, it's kind of the opposite of the revitalization, right? You don't have a building, typically. You don't have money, typically. You don't have any structural things set up, typically. There's ways to get funding. There's ways to get organized. There's ways to get uh, a building. There's ways to get a place to meet. There's ways to get people. But all of those questions have to be figured out. And even if you have a network, you still have to go through the process of finding a network to work with or finding some kind of finding funding, selling the vision, and it takes a long time. You can step into a revitalization situation within a, a few months and be be going, right? They they bring you on, you cast the vision, and you're off to the races. you got a hard road ahead of you typically, but you can do it faster. Church planting takes a little bit longer to kind of get going because there's so many details that are kind of just on you and your responsibility to either figure out or put the people in place to figure out. And then the other con is a lot of times it you have to be bivocational for quite a while. Uh, an established church might have the funds to bring you on full time right away. And in a church planting situation, that's not always the case. In fact, it's very common for church planters to uh, to have a, a, a job on the side along with the church work until they can either start taking a salary at all or tar- start taking a big enough salary to support their family. So there's the funding, there's the where do we meet, right? A lot of church plants start in a home and then are scrambling to try to figure out where do we do this. And I know my church, when we start a new campus or a new church, a lot of times we're looking at schools like high schools that's very common or we're looking at existing buildings like in storefronts where we can uh, redo them and make like our main campus our I mean our largest campus is in uh, an old grocery store another campus we have is in an old shoe store that used to be called just for feet so there's the days of just going out buying 20 acres and putting you know, a building up is is very difficult to do unless you have a ton of money and, and you're in a city that has a ton of land. So those are the challenges that you face as a new church that can make it challenging. So you can see that whether you're revitalizing or you're planting, church work is hard. <laughs> like church leadership is difficult. It's it's hard to navigate through these waters. So I think the the biggest thing that you have to kind of be okay with or acknowledge in this is that it's going to be hard, but if you are called and you're sure of your calling, then it can make it at least bearable because at least you know I'm called to this and this is what the Lord wants me to do right now. This is what he wants me to be about. So those are my thoughts on this kind of question between church planting and revitalization. 
I would love to hear from you in the comments below here on YouTube, or you can email me lane at preachingdonkey.com or let me know in some other way what you think, what your experiences have been. I'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't yet, please grab my 21 day guide to creating killer sermons, because whether you're revitalizing or planting, you want to make sure that your preaching is on point. And that's the main thing we do here at Preaching Donkey. So go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. You can pick up my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. And until next time, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you. I'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Better than I deserve. How can I help? 